0: You are listening to an Elam Christian Centre podcast. We hope that you are inspired, encouraged and empowered by the message you are about to hear. Hi church, let's share the God's Word together, shall we? We're just in the middle of a series, we are leading up to Christmas and we're looking at some of the names that were given to Jesus out of Isaiah chapter 9. In the Old Testament, in the book of Isaiah, there's a prophecy about the coming of the Messiah. And this is that the promised Messiah the deliverer will be with them. Doesn't matter whether they go into captivity or whatever, uh, there is going to come a deliverer, a Messiah, that is going to come and to set them free. But this prophecy here comes in a little bit different than what they understood. This Messiah deliverer was coming as a child in human form, but still be God. So let's read that together, shall we? In Isaiah chapter 6, I'm reading from the Amplified Bible. It says this, it says, For to us a child shall be born, to us a son shall be given, and the government shall be on his shoulders and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Notice a couple of those ones in there, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Eternal Father. This is talking about God, Mighty God was going to come and to be with them. God, when they thought about God, God, they were in awe of God. Their whole life and their history was built around Almighty God. There's sacred writings with Genesis in chapter one. It starts off in the beginning, God, uh, God, the creator of the heavens and the earth. One God who is so huge that the scriptures say that uh, the, the heaven is a throne and earth is his footstool. God, the one who spoke and everything came into uh, existence. God, who is the alpha and the omega, that he is the beginning and the end. God, who has infinite knowledge, uh, unlimited power, Uh, present everywhere, omnipresent, uh, they say. God who is the great I am. God says, I am the great I am who I am. I will be what you need me to be. This was the God who was the righteous one, the one who was going to judge the living and the dead. This was the God that they knew. And then Jesus comes along and there's a story uh, about a religious leader. He he comes to Jesus and he's like, he's a little bit confused. And it seemed like he was a good man. He was a very religious man. Uh, He was a Pharisee, one of the uh, religious teachers of the Jewish nation. And the God that Nicodemus had been taught was about this God that they were to be in awe of. He was a harsh God. And serving him was like keeping this endless list of laws that robbed his religion of any joy. And it just seemed to be like this barrier between the people and God. And they, if they failed to keep the laws perfectly, well, then they felt just so guilty about that. And when they came into the place of worship, they just felt so guilty that they, they, they couldn't come in, uh, in the presence of this great God that they uh, had the concept they had of Him. But he'd been watching Jesus. And he knows there's something different about Jesus. And, and even though Jesus uh, was not a, a, a trained religious teacher, uh, Jesus seemed to know God, not just know about God. And even though he was just a layman, he was just a carpenter, he had an authority when he spoke on spiritual things and, and a power that just resulted in miracles. And, and, and Jesus spoke about God differently than anything that he had heard before. And so he was curious, you know, Jesus, uh, you know, do you know something about God that somehow that I've missed and some of my uh, colleagues have missed? I want to just to suggest to you today that maybe there is something also that you have missed in searching for God and searching for answers about God, and maybe your understanding of God is limiting uh, your relationship with God. I just wanna draw a couple of things out of here in Jesus' answer and there are some keys that will help us in our understanding about God and keys that will help us in our relationship with God. And the first one I just wanna say is that God loves you. God loves you. Nicodemus had been thinking, God, I know about God. God, I, I've been taught He's big, He's out there, He's controlling and running things. I'd better please Him. And Jesus comes along and says, for God so loved the world, probably the most famous verse in the whole of the Bible, John chapter three verse sixteen. It says, "For God so loved the world, that He gave His one and only Son, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life." He's not talking about the physical world. He's talking about people here. God is love. God is the source of all love. If you take love out of the, take God out of the world, you take love out of this world. And when you so love something, then that is really special. You don't just love it, you so love it. When our children were little, they all had uh, uh, special sort of like stuffed toys that uh, they loved so much. And they would take them with them Everywhere. So like if we're going on holiday and we're halfway down the motorway and, and then we realise, you know, we've left beer at home, look, you might as well turn around. You might as well turn the car around and go back and get beer because the holiday is going to be so miserable because they so loved uh, that particular toy. See, God is not a God of religion. God is a God of relationship. He's not interested in religion unless it leads to a relationship. The Bible is full of religious people who had no relationship uh, with God at all. And the problem is, I can't get to God. See, I try and I slip and I try and I slip again. And, and eventually I get just so tired of trying and missing out the success and failure. I'm not gonna make it. I feel condemned all the time. I come to the point, I just give up. But it's not about me giving. For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son. God reached down. God came down to where we're at. He knew we could not make it. That we'd always be feeling condemned. We'd always feel like a failure, and if we always felt like that, then we would never step out in faith. But God loved us so much that He made a way. See, if we don't understand that God is a good God, and that God loves us, we will never step out in faith into the unknown. How could you trust God? You'd always be in fear, not faith. You'd always be wondering if God is gonna bring some disaster upon you. You could never be confident in the outcome. You'd be wondering, what kind of mood does God in today? And every time maybe you got sick or something bad happened to you, you'd think that it was God punishing you. You would never take bold steps of faith. What what if God's not there and He lets you down? He might pull the plug. You might just be stepping out in faith, getting out of the boat and stepping on the water, but you sink And, and how could you trust Him to ever step out? on some great project for him. As a church, we've stepped out and done some huge projects, but I always step out on this understanding. God is a good God and God loves me. I may make mistakes, but he knows my heart. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. He will make a way. He'll provide for what is needed. The Bible says that He helps our infirmities. He helps our weaknesses. He doesn't help help our rebellion. He doesn't help our laziness, but He will meet us at our point of faith. Every major step we've taken as a church has been a miracle. At the end of the first year when we brought the land that our church at uh, Botany here stands on, I know many of you you know the story, we only had $10 when we were uh, negotiating to buy it. It was a miracle purchase. And this has been repeated many times over. We have never had the answer. We've never had the provision when we've stepped out. But what we did have is that we had faith that Almighty God loves us and He's walking with us. When we started the church, God gave me a promise that He had given to Abraham many years ago in Genesis chapter 13, verse 14 and 15. And it said this, it said, The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had departed had parted from him, look around from where you are to the north and the south, to the east and the west. All the land that you see, I will give to you and your offspring forever. I had a map of Howak up on the wall. My office was in the garage underneath our house and I put it up on the wall where I would look at it from my desk. And I wrote this verse underneath it. How many know that God's ways are not our ways and His thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways, His thoughts are much bigger than anything that I envisaged way back then at that time. See, God loves you. You can walk in confidence if you have that knowledge. He doesn't just love a few favourites, for God so loved the world. His love is big enough for everyone. The other thing I wanna suggest to you today is that God has a plan for your life. You don't have to be around this church very long and you soon come across a verse which is in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, where it says, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Marilyn and I, we often look back over the past 36 years and acknowledge that even though we've worked hard, it has not been difficult. It's kind of like, what we were stepped into and and what's happened was just something that God had planned to do. Not every door has opened, but the right doors have opened. One of the big advantages of getting a little bit older is that you can look back and you can be so thankful that some doors you had hoped would open, uh, didn't open. I guess there's a few that can think of that. You think, man, I dodged a bullet there. But we've just seen, since God just working with us and making a way, it was something that was part of His plan. Jesus said to his disciples, John chapter 14, verse 12, he said, Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Jesus is not just saying this is true, he says here, This is very true, very truly. I really mean this. I'm telling you the truth. In the Greek it says, if you continue to believe, Jesus is not playing games with us. He's asking us to take Him seriously. The works that I do, shall He do also. Greater works than these shall He do because I go to the Father. Not greater in quality, but greater in quantity because Jesus has gone uh, to the Father. How? The same Holy Spirit, the same anointing, The same power that was upon Jesus has now upon the church, his body, the church, and he's there to work with us. I just wanna close with just four steps that Jesus gives to us out of this passage here that we can apply. Because I know that God loves me, because I know that God has a plan for my life. The first thing is dream great dreams. Dream great dreams. Jesus said, very truly I tell you, Whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing and they will do even greater things than these. Don't accept mediocrity. Don't accept second best. Allow the personal call of God over your life just to grip your heart. There is nothing else in life that will compare to it. Allow it just to grip and take hold of the heart of your life. You need to dream about it, think about it, meditate upon it, let it soak into you so that it just so consumes you, it becomes the great passion, the great cause of your life. It becomes the reason for your existence. The reason we need to dream is that we'll never embrace what God has got for us unless we can see it. We'll never make the change. We'll never give up the old unless we can see the new. It's just too risky. You say to me, give me your car and I will give to you a brand new BMW. Now I kind of like BMWs, but I'm not tempted. My reaction is show me the BMW and then I will give you my old Ford. You know, I'm not, I'm not going to let go of the Ford until I can see the new one. It might not turn up. See, this is how we react to God. God knows that we will never change unless we can see something that is better. We read God's word. We read how our sins can be forgiven. We can have peace with God. We can go to eternity, paradise when when we die. And we kind of think, man, this is a good deal. This is too good to miss. And so we give our lives to Christ. We become a Christian. But then we begin to think, well, maybe, maybe God is a killjoy. Maybe God is going to make my life dull and boring. And and we never fully commit ourselves to God's plan because in our mind we're thinking it's just too risky. God may not turn up. See, you have to see a dream from God that will inspire you to give up your small ambitions. I see myself doing a great work for God. Therefore, I happily let go of other things that are in my life. How big is your vision? Have you ever thought about what God can do through you to reach your generation? Why not? Why can't we touch the world for Jesus Christ and our generation? Out of the hillsides of Bethlehem came a shepherd boy called David. Out of Galilee came a young man called Jesus. Can a great man or woman of God come out of East Auckland, West, South Auckland? Can a great church come out of Whangarei? Yes, we know it can. Dream great dreams. Secondly, plan great plans. Take some practical steps. Jesus said, we will do the works that he did and greater things. Leading up to this, Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's telling them that he's gonna leave them and this just like shattered their dreams. He was their great hope. Jesus was the one that was gonna set them free from oppression. He was a great deliverer. Sitting around this table was like a really discouraged group. You had Peter who almost drowned trying to walk on water and then later on would deny Jesus. You had Philip who said like, it's impossible to feed 5,000 people. You had Thomas who said, I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, You had Judas who betrayed Jesus. He just snuck out. He had just left that little group. And Jesus says, come on guys, enlarge your vision. Dream great dreams, plan great plans, have faith in me. You will do even greater things. See, new Christians like, are really notorious for having like, a enthusiasm and a real childlike faith. And, but as time goes on, there seems to be like a hardening of the spiritual arteries and we become indifferent. We stop dreaming. We stop planning. And this is why Jesus said we need to come to Him like little children. See, where has your dreaming and your planning stopped? Who put the limits there? We need to step out of past failures and dream a bit. Maybe, just maybe. God wants to use me. We read the New Testament, we read about ourselves. We're the new covenant people. We're redeemed, we're seated in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. We are predestined in accordance to God's will. We have been given all wisdom and understanding. So we need to dream some great dreams. We need to plan some great plans to step out into things. Thirdly, we need to pray great prayers. Jesus said, I'll do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son you may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. See, Jesus said, we're not only to pray for parking spot prayers. Okay, how many pray for parking spot prayers? Well, we're to pray, he says, not just for that. We're to pray great prayers. In verse 13, he says, whatever you ask. And in, in verse 14, just in case you misunderstood what I was saying, he repeats it. He says, pray great prayers and watch them make them happen. Think, wow, is that true? What can I pray? You really mean that? I see a Christian ministry centre that's ministering to, to the whole person. I see ministries coming out of there that are spreading the gospel of Jesus Christ. I see a school, I, I see a Bible college, I see attractive facilities, I see ministries developing off-site, I see churches being planted, I see missions, endeavours, great things happening out on the mission field. I say, Father, can I pray for that? He says, yes. He says, now I've done that. What else do you want? You think, wow, can I dream again? This is not the end. No, the best is yet to come. Jesus kept the best wine till the end. And so I can keep on dreaming. Now I can see 10,000 people meeting each Sunday in multiple congregations and community impacting programs. I see Christian schools across our city. I see multi-million dollar mission budget touching nations of the world. I see leaders being trained and changing cities. Think, oh, back off a little minute. Wait a minute. What if that's just a big ego trip? Yeah, what if I just want prayers answered just for selfish reasons? Well, the key is in verse 13 and the last part of the verse there. And Jesus said, I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. What Jesus is saying, you pray whatever you wish. You ask whatever you may and let me filter your prayers, and I will grant you the things that bring glory to the Father. That verse gives me tremendous peace. What kind of prayers are you praying? Parking lot prayers, mountain moving prayers. We need to dream great dreams and plan great plans, and pray great prayers. And finally, Jesus said, obey great commands. He said, if you love me, you'll obey what I command. What are some of these commands? Loving the Lord your God with all your heart, living a holy life, loving one another, sharing the good news about Jesus. See, we, we, we may see ourselves differently, but we need to rise to the greatness of God's kingdom. We serve our mighty God. Maybe we've lost something of that excitement, but, but we need to gain it again, and come back and, and, and get excited like we were when we first became a Christian. I remember a number of years ago, Marilyn and I, we went into an ice cream parlour and there was a long queue and it was like a really hot day. And a young boy behind the counter, he had a real attitude problem. He, he was just grumpy. He just like slopped the ice cream into the cone. He was like no joy and, and no greeting. There was like one big chore that just doing that for him. I can't imagine when he first got the job, he would have been really excited. Wow. 40 different flavours, three different cones, signals, doubles, triples, single dip, double dip. And this is so exciting. Maybe one day I might own the shop. Maybe one day I might own a whole chain of ice cream stores. But now months later, he finds he's lost his dream. He's just now just a job and he was doing it badly. We can be like this, we can lose our dream. We can lose our vision of the greatness of God. Our prayers can become just like self me, bless me prayers, selfish bless me prayers, and God's commands are really no longer important to us. We've lost touch with heaven. There was a church like that in Revelation and Jesus said, I counsel you to buy from me self, to put on your eyes so that you can see. Say, come on church. You know, we serve a mighty God. We need to rise up in the destiny and the calling the plan that God has got over our lives and over the church. God loves you. He's got a plan for you. He wants to do some great things through you. Why don't you just all stand just for a moment and wherever you are, in your lounge, in your rooms, wherever you might be gathered, just stand for a moment and I'll just pray a prayer of blessing on you. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen. Thank you for listening to this Elam Christian Centre podcast. Please subscribe to keep hearing more life-changing messages. For more information about our church, please visit www.elamchristiancentre.org.nz.